Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to see you all out tonight. It's nice to have some spring weather starting to make its way here. I'm just praying that we can make it through March without a snowstorm, and we'll be home free hopefully then. Well, welcome to our series, In the Zone. If this is your first or second weekend with us, we're going through the book of Philippians. And this weekend, we're in the third chapter, about halfway through. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in verse 12. So if you want to find your way there in the back of your Bible to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, and mark your place there with something. Take your friend's hand and stick it in there, whatever you want to do. And then I want you to flip back towards the front of your Bible just a few books to Acts chapter 8. Now, if you're new to the Bible, one of the interesting things about the book of Acts is the book of Acts talks about the early church and how the early churches were formed and how a man by the name of Paul and other apostles were part of that amazing movement empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we often go back to the book of Acts to catch a glimpse of individuals' lives that we're reading about later in the letters like the book of Philippians. And so it is tonight. Now, I love to hear stories of transformation or to see transformation take place. One of the things that I've always enjoyed over life is the opportunity to go inside an old building, right? An old building or an old house that's been restored and refurbished and brought back to its original glory. I stay up at night, and that's how I relax is by watching these shows on HGTV where they're restoring old homes, But I like to see friendships restored. I like to hear stories of marriages that were on the brink of failure or even some who had failed completely, but yet God in the middle of their mess brought all of that back together. You see, the very best transformation story is yours. It's the story of your spiritual transformation. From the moment that you met Christ to the day that you go and stand before God in eternity. In Acts chapter 8, we're introduced to a man named Saul. Saul, in verse 1, that says, Saul was standing there giving his approval when Stephen... Remember who Stephen is? Stephen, in that very same chapter, Stephen is described as a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was living in the zone. That's been the context of this series is we've been talking about what it is to live in full obedience to God. And here, here was Saul standing there giving his approval when Stephen was murdered for his faith. Saul is the one who gave the order. Saul is convinced at this point in his spiritual journey As a Jewish believer, he's convinced that his purpose in life was to snuff out Christianity by persecuting, by murdering anyone and every Christ follower that he set his eyes on. Verse 3 says that he went from house to house, dragging men and women and putting them in prison. But in Acts chapter 9, in the middle of Saul's threats and the mayhem that he was causing, in verse 3 it says he meets the resurrected and ascended Christ right in the middle of the road. He was blinded by the light, as the old song says, confronted by the reality of what he was doing. And in an instant, Saul has to make a choice. 
The same choice that many in this room have made. Oh, you may not have been persecuting Christians and you may not have been living a bad, bad life. But in an instant, he's faced with a choice. Will he let go and say yes to the Lordship of Christ? Or will he continue on the path that he was on? Well, as you know, Saul made the choice to let go. And in verse 18, he was baptized, he received the Holy Spirit, and his life was radically changed. From that day forward, thousands upon thousands of others were changed as he pulled all the stops, as he went all in and spent the rest of his life telling others about Christ. He would do anything. No personal sacrifice was too great to see one more person come to relationship with Christ. And you say, okay, so what? Well, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 11, this is 25 years after Saul's conversion. 25 years after this amazing moment when he surrendered his life, his past, his present, his future to Jesus Christ, and Saul, who is now the apostle Paul, a man living in the zone himself, he writes these words in verse 11. He says, I have so much more to discover. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. There is so much transformation to take place. Really? 25 years. 25 years into his journey with Christ, a man who's completely sold out, a man who at this point is now sitting in prison for his active faith, he has more to attain, more to know, more to experience. Yes. And so do you and I. And this is the subject that I want us to look at tonight as we continue our look at living in the zone. He writes, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Now that's a word picture that I want us to bring to our mind from Paul's words. This is the way I wrote it down for us. And that is, I think Paul is saying, I live life with my arms wide open. I live life, arms wide open, confident that God continues to be at work around me, but also in me. Now, my nine-year-old daughter who's running the lights tonight, she's doing an awesome job. So far, we're all in the light, right? Not in the dark yet. She's doing great. But my nine-year-old, Emma, she has a grasp on this already. Maybe not in a spiritual sense, but she has developed habits that will easily be transferred over to this spiritual dynamic in her life. Every morning when she wakes up, she's an early riser like her daddy, and every morning when she wakes up, she comes straight to our room, if she's not already spent the night in our room. But she comes to her mommy's side of the bed and finds her snoring and then comes to my side of the bed, and her arms are wide open. She's ready for that embrace. She's ready to move on with her day. 
In fact, the last two years we've been homeschooling, and of late she's been going down and getting her books and working on them before she goes to bed. She's anxious. She's ready for what is ahead. Now, God is an early riser. In fact, Psalm 121 says that he who watches over you and me will not slumber nor sleep. He's ready to receive us at any moment of the day. And the Bible says that he's at work in every situation, all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, I want you to repeat after me. And middle school students, I'm glad to see you. Even though we've got all of our youth coaches or many of them with our senior high, and there's a few senior high students here tonight, but we've got 60 people down in Tennessee tonight at a conference, which is very, very exciting for us and exciting for them. They're going to rock out the Sunday morning service when they get back in the morning. But I want you to join the adults tonight, and I want you to repeat these three statements after me. The first is, I have a purpose. Say it with me. I have a purpose. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my life. God can and will use anything to move that plan and purpose forward. God can. All right, you don't sound real convinced, but you will be by the end. But those statements are true if, if you and I are willing to let go and let him work. Now, I want you to be honest. Is how Emma, is how the Apostle Paul describing his life, is this how you begin your day and move through your day and end your day? Paul says, I really want to. I really try, but verse 12, he says, I know this to be true, yet I've not yet taken hold of it. But one thing I do, now, when a person says, but one thing I do, we perk up and listen, and we want to know the secret. We want to know how can this be the case in my life, and his answer is so simple, yet it's difficult at the same time. He says, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. He's saying, I let go. I let go and I lean in to win. I lean in to win. When he says forgetting what's behind, he's talking about letting go and straining toward what's ahead. That means that you lean in. We talked last week about how long-distance runners lean in, especially when they see the finish line coming ahead. They lean in. They don't stop when they get to the line. They don't stop when they see it ahead, but they lean in all the way through. He says, I press toward the goal to win, not come in second, not just finish or place, but to win. Now, why win? Is this some type of competition? Well, it's not a competition with others, but I submit to you tonight it is a competition internally between our flesh and God and His Spirit. Now, I'm not a sports fan, and I don't think that the Apostle Paul was either. 
I'm like, I have a feeling he's like me, and he didn't turn into that, tune into that big bowling tournament that they had a couple weeks ago called the Super Bowl, right? I, I doubt that he did, but he often used terminology that people could relate to. And he often used this terminology about winning and the race when it came, when it came to our relationship with Christ. And he refers to it as a race worth running, a fight worth fighting, a life that takes discipline, perseverance, and training. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body, make it a slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul calls us to remember what we're pursuing. He calls it a crown, a crown that will last forever. What is the crown? It's our salvation. It is our eternity with God. And he says, therefore, because of the significance of this, I don't run aimlessly. I lean in. I make every move count. When I throw a punch, I make contact. I don't just swing and hit the air. I beat my body and make it a slave to what I know is true. Now, you may not know this. A couple of friends know this. But the last three weeks, I have had debilitating pain in my chest and shoulder. Sarah got all excited and got the life insurance policy out thinking it was a heart attack three weeks ago. But I got a pass. But I've had pain like kidney stone pain in my shoulder. And it's been hard to press through it. In fact, it has taught me a lesson about those of you who have chronic pain. I can't imagine. But there have been times over the last three weeks, especially when I've been called to preach that week, that I've had to beat my body. I have had to literally pick it up and say, let's go do this, and then we'll go and crash someplace later. And Paul says there are times when I want to give up there are times when I get fed up. There are times when I want to sit down, when I want to go back, when I want to get off course and lose sight of the finish line. But I make myself focus. I make myself focus on the truth and get back up and keep going to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Now, maybe you've forgotten that. Maybe you've not yet come to engage this truth, this significance in your life yet. But you want to know where Paul got his fight from? He got his fight from Jesus Christ and knowing the reality of what Jesus said in John 15, 16. He took it personally. And it applies to every one of our lives too. Remember when Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. That should mean something to you and I. That should cause us to sit up 
and for all reasons give our all to him. But I chose you, Jesus said, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. It was God who made the first move. It was Jesus who came and chose us when we were at our worst and invited us to have a crown that would last forever, eternity with him. And if that doesn't give us worth enough, he purposed us with the message of telling others about him. The eternal salvation of your children and your co-workers and your parents, those around you and on the other side of the world is impacted by this choice right here that Paul's talking about. Will you lean in? Will you make your body function even when it doesn't want to? Even when you're discouraged, will you get yourself up and realize that your grandchildren, that a whole other generation is counting on you? I am so proud of Jeanette Berry. Jeanette's sitting out here. She wears oxygen. I told her a story three years ago when she first started coming to Memphis the months that she spent in a coma and how she's had to retrain herself to get up and go. Jeanette didn't grow up. Jeanette didn't raise her family up in the church. But in later in life, she has come to this knowledge just as the Apostle Paul did. She has had her confrontation with Jesus Christ, and she has started to lean in. And next Saturday night, she gets to baptize her grandson into the Lord. And you know what? And you know what he said to her? She just told me this tonight. I didn't ask her permission, but I'm sure it's okay. She's smiling. But that little fellow looked up at her this week because she gets to get up in that water and do it herself. But he looked up at her and he said, you know, I wouldn't know Jesus. You know I wouldn't know as much as I do. You know I wouldn't be getting baptized if it weren't for you. If it weren't for you. But this one thing I do that Paul is telling us, it's huge. So remember you were chosen. Embrace your call and your purpose. And then in very simple terms, Paul tells us, live up. Live up to the level of faith that you have at the moment. Verse 15, he says, all of us who are mature. Now he's talking to every believer who has spent some time following Christ. Remember, Paul's writing this 25 years into his journey with Christ. And he says, I still got a long way to go. I'm still beating my body. I'm still leaning in. I see the crown, but I'm still going. But he says, all of us who are mature, look at verse 15, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, I love this, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. And he qualifies this for us three ways. The first is this, don't live in the past. When Paul says, forgetting what's behind, he isn't telling us to literally not remember anything. 
Certainly, certainly we should remember who we were before Christ found us. We should remember that. It should make us grateful. Paul did. He called himself the center of all sinners. I can only imagine. I often say of people today who are living so far outside of Christ, who know better how awful it's going to be for them one day when they wake up. Oh, it'll be a great day when they come to the Lord. But the memories and the pig squeals of the past, the pain that they have brought to others, the lost souls that they're responsible for. Paul remembered his past. He called himself the center of sinners, and we should remember ours. We should also remember the times that we've seen God's faithfulness demonstrated. When he says forget the past, he's not saying to forget that. Paul would always remember the day he met Christ on the road. He'd always remember the missionary journeys, even the shipwrecks, even the imprisonments, even the beatings. He would remember those because Christ brought him through. The Spirit led him. He would remember the day that the chains fell off in the prison. And he'd also remember the love and support he received from the churches that he served and served with him. What a beautiful picture he paints in Acts of the church in Ephesus as he was departing to literally have elders cry. Usually elders are clapping when they run the preacher off. But in this case, they wept when Paul was leaving. He would never forget that. We also need to recognize that Paul isn't telling us to forget about the past and neglect the responsibilities that our past mistakes have created. If we've wronged someone, especially now in the grace of Christ, we should go to them and make it right. If we have financial and emotional debts, we are to pay them. When Paul talks about forgetting, what he's telling us is not to fixate on the past. To not let the past, good or bad, control us. When we do this and hold on to bad experiences, they become an anchor that weighs us down. We remember a hurt that someone inflicted on us. We remember a mistake that we made that hurt someone else. These things are anchors, and they should be forgotten. They should be put behind us. Paul was responsible for the murder of a number of early Christians before he was confronted by Christ. But in the same way, we aren't to rest in the past either. We aren't to replay past victories and assume that we're finished or that we've checked the box and just be content to remember instead of continuing to push ahead. You know, I meet folks all the time. I do the majority of the funeral services I do are for those outside of our church family. For every one that I've done in the church, I've done 20 that don't have a church home. They're my favorite, my favorite privilege to go and to encourage them. But you know what I hear? I mostly hear at the death of someone they love that the only experience that they or that person have had with Christ was sometime in the past. Very little do I hear about present. How we deal, how we deal with the past, the painful times of the past, 
will determine how we live in the present. We will either live in the past and repeat the same mistakes or we'll live differently and we will engage God. The Apostle Paul, he was determined to always look forward to continued transformation because continued transformation revealed one more character trait of God, one more opportunity to join God at work this side of heaven. Dan's been really kind to put quotes out on social media from the weekend service. And so I've really tried really hard to come up with things that he can put out there that, um, that I didn't steal. And so here's, here's, here's one for you to think about and take home tonight. That this is where real life is lived in the Christian world as a Christ follower in the zone. It's lived on the edge. It's lived on the edge of being able to do something, to not be able to do that were it not for God's approval and presence and power. That means we're not living in the past, friends. It means we're living in the present and we're leaning in toward what God has ahead. Paul said, I've not yet been made perfect. I've not yet taken hold of knowing Christ fully, but I'm leaning in. I'm reaching out. I'm taking hold of it one day, one choice, one moment at a time because I want it all. Remember what Paul said earlier in the chapter? I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power that raised him from the dead. Now, I can't help but wonder how much of Paul's exuberance came from his own personality, right? There are those people that are just wired that way, that are just go-getters. And how much of this was Paul's own personality? When we look back at his life before Christ in Acts 8, he was the same. He was very zealous. He was all in. Even though he was going the wrong direction, he gave it everything that he had. But verse 15 he seems to take the personality out of it, and this should give us great encouragement. Why? Because regardless of our personality, we can all live this way. We can approach life in the zone this way, and the transformation can continue. All of us can win the prize this way, but this is the key. God will do the heavy lifting. My responsibility is to be faithful. I started using that phrase several years ago and it's been great to listen to some of the younger guys when they walk with you in your challenging circumstances to hear them say to you listen you be faithful and God will do the heavy lifting the problem is as I confess to Sarah even this morning is that in hard times we get right up to the edge where we're supposed to be living and then we back off. And I picture in my mind, God is right there ready to, to make that final heavy lift that you and I don't have the power to do. And then we back off and we're like, no, no thanks. Don't worry about it. And we miss it. Paul says, look, right now you may view these things differently. You may not yet have been able to let go of something from the past or see the good that God's bringing even through this bad choice or circumstance from your past. But listen, 
God will make it clear to you. You just keep moving forward with the faith that you have, with what you've already received from Him. And there's only one way, friends, for this to happen. And it's not living life status quo. It's not living in the past. It's not claiming victory with words alone. It's trusting God's commands and living them no matter what. This is when we see God do the heavy lifting. It's in our faithfulness. And finally, Paul says, take note of those who are living this way. Take note of those who are living this way. There are people who actually do this. Some of them are sitting really close to you tonight. Some of you are that person. There are people who are actually faithful. And there are people who are actually being transformed at every age. Yes, we have seen a lot of young people, a lot of teenagers transform. But I'll tell you what, I've seen a lot of 70, 80-year-olds Now, I used to be told that that was a generation that couldn't change, that couldn't be changed. And I would say some of those people said, I will never change. But yet something happened in their life that caused them to go right to the edge. And when they couldn't lift on their own, they looked over at God and said, God, if you'll lift it, I'll continue going. And he did. And their story of transformation continues in verse 17 he says join with others in following my example take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you and notice notice the difference between those who live outside of christ those who are enemies those who follow their own desires whose god is their stomach whose mind is on earthly things who live in the past who repeat the same mistakes over and over again from generation to generation. Now, here's another truth. I think sometimes we look at people who go to church with us here at Memphis. I think we look at the people around us and we see the same relationship failures happen here as we see out in the world. And it's true. We have divorce impacting our families, in our church. We have financial failures impacting family in our church. We have wayward children hurting in our church. Now, to some extent, this is going to be this way, especially at a church like Memphis. Why? Because 60% of us are new believers The majority of people in this room have spent more time living outside of Christ than in Christ. And because of this, there are a lot of broken pieces. There are a lot of broken pieces and there are a lot of scars and rough edges. And you should feel good because that's the way the people saw the Apostle Paul back in his day. His past was no secret, but neither was his authentic transformation. You see, when I look around this room, I see some brokenness and I see some rough edges. But I see a lot more transformation. 
I'm seeing marriages changed from the inside out. I see people making lifelong covenants with their spouse and with their church. I see people living on the edge, trusting God with their finances and their next steps at school or work. I see teenagers and young men and and old men and young women and old women reaching out arms wide open with their arms and their eyes focused on what's ahead, realizing Realizing what they've already attained, God's spirit living inside of them, the forgiveness of sins, heaven is their prize, but they insist on letting go of a little bit more every day, letting go of the past. And I see not fear, but an eagerness for what's ahead. And this is where Paul leaves us this week in verse 20. Remember. Remember our citizenship in heaven. The world isn't it. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. That's power. Power over life and death. Power over circumstances. Power in that he can work all things for the good. By this same power, it says, he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. He's saying there's coming a day when the transformation will be complete inside and out. When we cross the finish line and we're with God. But it begins here. I have a purpose. God has a plan for my life. God can and will use anything to move that plan and purpose forward if. If I'm willing to let go. And so the challenge tonight in the zone is to let go. To let go and embrace the transformation that comes from living in the zone. Let's stand and let's pray together. Father, Father, it's hard to let go and trust. But it's how we learn. It's how we experience. And it is how we live with you. And so help us today, Father, to accept that reality and embrace that reality and to lean in to look to you in the morning when we rise and in the middle of the day when we're up against it all and when we lie down at bed, help us reach out to you arms wide open to embrace your plan and your purpose for our lives. Lord, tonight we acknowledge our need for you. It is by your grace And it is by your power that all of this and only this is possible. And so tonight, Lord, as we worship you, we worship you confident of the work that you began and that you're faithful to finish. Tonight, as we worship you, some of us are ready to acknowledge that we we need to surrender to you for you to be our Savior but also the Lord of our lives. 
that, Lord, we'll listen to your commands, that we'll live on the edge, aware that even taking our very next step can only be accomplished by you doing the heavy lifting and us being faithful. So, Lord, hear our praise, but thank you for hearing our cry even before we spoke it. We meet you here, Lord, tonight, asking for you to continue the transformation or to begin it for the first time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The band's got a great song. It's going to be new to some of you. Listen to the words. Respond right here.